Hello and welcome to Omens and Epiphanies. I'm Grace and I'm going on a journey. I hope you'll join me. Today we're talking about the devil, which is the 15th card of the Major Arcana. Um, 15 reduces to a six, which is about harmony, love, reaction, balance, and flux, um, which doesn't sound like a devil to me either. I know, but we're going to get to why it actually might be pretty appropriate. This is one of three cards that I always have to warn people about before I start reading tarot. Okay. One of them is the hanged man, because it doesn't mean that somebody's going to be hanged. The other one is the death card, because it doesn't mean somebody's going to die. And this one, the devil, because it doesn't mean that there's an external deity that's going to harm you, right? So we're going to talk about all of that today as as well as Satanism um, and why the church feels that witches are Satanists. Because we're not. And I just said we, so I think that I actually am a witch. We're getting there. Woohoo! At the beginning of this whole thing, I felt that maybe I was a witch, but I wasn't 100% sure. And so that is very, um, that feels good. So we're going to get there. One of my favorite decks, Shadowscapes Tarot, um, was one of my first devil cards. And in this card, there is a horned, um, devil, I'm assuming. He's not red, but he does have the hooves and the kind of satyr-like legs with a big old wing. Um, now this wing has maybe some spider webs across it and he's spinning and and weaving a spider web around a heart. Below the devil is an imp sitting on top of a pile of rocks, I guess. Now this pile of rocks has little figures in it that look vaguely humanoid but maybe not human, you know. Um could be imps, could be they're just different sizes of people, but that's encircling a human. Um, now this human is, is scrunched up in this little ball, um, knees to the forehead, arms over the neck. It looks like a, like a cover and hold situation for an earthquake drill in school. But this human has a very thin gold chain attached to a lock and the key is directly above their head. So they could easily reach up and free themselves. Which is the, that's the meaning that I always take from this card. That there's something holding you back and it's you. (laughs) You have the tool within reach. You just have to get out of your little thought process and reach out and grab it. Um, So that could be seeking some sort of support in that process. Tarot 101 says that the title of this card is both misleading and entirely appropriate. It's misleading because it does not represent an incarnation of evil that has an external reality and consciousness, a truly evil being that um, tempts humans to sin. But it's appropriate because the term devil recalls a number of things that can be applied to this card. The little devil on our shoulder that gives us permission or excuses to commit bad, harmful, or passionate acts. Um, A demon of temptation and excess. When the fool reaches the devil card, uh, it's a card of ignorance and hopelessness. The devil himself on this card um, is associated with any of these five things. This is still according to Tarot 101. Um, The dark depths of the human psyche that is prone to addiction. 
the part that activates when we are um, frightened, a bestial force that takes over and controls us, the primal force of creation and power, a raw animal nature that calls on us to reproduce, eat, drink, sleep, and enjoy life. So it could be any of those things. The chains in the card are representative of addictions, burdens, and oppression. You might see it a reversed pentagram. I don't, but you might. Um, if so, the reverse pentagram is the descent of the spirit into matter and being trapped in the mundane. Fire or hell are metaphors for darkness and personal hell during the dark times of our lives. Temptations might be on the card, such as riches, sex, alcohol, or parties. Another one of my decks has um, literal, like, a devil putting two arms over the shoulders of two kids. One hand is holding money and the other hand is holding alcohol. You might also see a goat or a ram. Um, that's usually indicative of Capricorn, the star sign, um, which is a sign of lust or ambition. But it's usually just because it's horned, just like everything else I'm about to talk about today. And then the Hebrew um, letter on this card is Samek, which is support or assistance. Now again, that six, this is a six when I reduce the numerology, is about harmony, love, reaction, balance, and flux. I can see love in terms of that sex or that bestial force. Reaction, whenever we are in our lizard brain, as Al Turtles calls it, um, we can react very quickly and with our gut. Um, so these are all, these all kind of make sense now. <laughs> and then um, usually when I read this tarot card, I don't go into specifics about what the um, addiction is because it could be alcohol. It could be drug use. It could be addiction to a person. Probably not, but it could be. It could be addiction to, um, I, so, I don't know, sex. Um, it could be that you're trapped in your job. Um, it could be that you're not living out your, your potential. <laughs> it could be that, again, you're trapped in the mundane. Or it could be mental health stuff. Like it could be that you're just having these mental health crisis and you need to go seek counseling. Um, whenever I read a reversed card, I read it as an internal process. So, um, when I see, um, the devil reversed, you have trapped yourself in this mess and you can get yourself out. So this might be, um, a mental block or a mental health issue. It might be a, um, addiction to alcohol that you've gotten yourself into, but you can get yourself out again. And if I see this upright, it's some sort of external pressure to do something, some sort of burden, a societal, um, systemic, um, oppression, um, inequities, um, somebody in your house is offering you alcohol all the time and not letting you heal. Those kinds of things could be the devil. So I don't, I don't ever want to say, Hey, you're, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> that's your devil. Fix it. Because that's not my job as a tarot reader. My job is to very kindly and gently and understandingly help them understand that they can do it. Or maybe in your deck, maybe in your deck, the key is not very close and the lock is not very reachable. So maybe you need to get help. 
Maybe you need to go seek counseling or ask for somebody's uh, assistance in your in your situation. Get people to help you. Find people who are alcohol free and hang out with them for three months <laughs> instead of your alcohol friends. Um, it's just there's so many options out there. And this is a very apt card right now where so many people are feeling trapped by society and by their jobs. And maybe turning to things like drugs or alcohol to cope um, when it, and it's not it's not as easy I'm about to say, but when you could quit and move to Scotland and enjoy a life with baby cows and find a job out there. That's just me. <laughs> Something I looked up last night was how to move to Scotland and teach because that would be I think that would be just amazing. Or uh, doing a million different things that all bring you joy. But it's not that easy. I can't just quit tomorrow. I would need the money to be able to leave. You know, it's not it's not as easy as that. So I would need the financial assistance or the support somehow to do all that. But I digress. <laughs> so that's the devil card. That's our omen today. Our epiphany today is about Satanism. I've always been curious to know why um, the church why why the church thinks that witches um worship satan and in a different episode i talked about how um in wiccanism the horned god is like pan from greek mythology and greek mythology uh, sorry greek gods and goddesses.net um posted a article on february 7th 2017 about pan and said that he is the fertility deity the god of the wild shepherds and flocks and rustic music and also shared a story from greek mythology where um pan had a friend who was struggling um and and just went and frightened the um, enemy away he ran away in a panic and that's where we get that word panic um but nowhere does it say that he's the god of temptation he's just the god of frivolity um, not even that's Dionysus. That's the God of frivolity. So I've never really understood where the connection comes from. But luckily, recently, I picked up Buckland's complete book of witchcraft. And in the first chapter, walks me through the beginnings of witchcraft and Wiccanism. So we're going to go on this journey together. I heavily paraphrased because I wasn't about to read an entire chapter of a book to you. But you can pick it up if you'd like. Um, again, that's Buckland's Complete Guide to Witchcraft. And all of this is going to be from that book until I say that I went to a website. Okay, so we're, we're bearing with me together here. So they say, um, Dr. Margaret Murray traced back and saw witchcraft's origins in the Paleolithic times. The book says 25,000 years ago. My partner says that humans were only around 10,000 years ago. Um, so somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere between 10 and 25,000 years ago. Um, the people depended on hunting to survive. And in those days, they believed in a multitude of gods. There was a god that controlled the sky. There was a god that controlled the water. There was a god that controlled the hunt. And they could pray to each of those gods to help them be successful, right? If, if a god controls the sky, if you pray to that god, maybe they'll take favor on you. So because all... Um, all hunted animals at that time, or most of them, were horned. The god of the hunt was pictured as being horned. 
Dr. Murray also found that um, there was some sympathetic magic that was mixed into society around that time. Now, sympathetic magic is like, okay, we're going to go on a bison hunt. Let's um, make a clay sculpture of a bison, act out the hunt, act out the killing of it, and then the bison will kind of know what to do or the god will understand what we want. And so that way the bison will be easier to kill. So that's the sympathetic magic that happened a long time ago. Um, now, humans developed, religion developed, we spread across Europe, um, we spread across a lot of places, unfortunately, um, and we took our god with that, with us. So as hunting became less important and they started um, being able to harvest crops in order to save them or to salt meat and keep it for longer, the god of hunting became the god of nature and of death. It had different names in different places, but there was still always this undercurrent of a god of nature and death that was horned. Um, also, different rituals developed, and so there became a need for ritual leaders. So the wise ones, which were called Wicca, um, were leaders. They led religious rites. They had herbal lore. They knew about magic. They knew about divination. So they were called on by so many different leaders um, to help guide them. So somebody would, you know, some a leader, a ruler of a, of a clan or whatever, would call on their Wicca, their wise one, um, to cure wounds or to do a divination about the next harvest or to know um, the seasons and to tell them when the best time to do whatever it is would be to do. So they would lead these, um, lead these, this information. So then over time, um, Christianity was what the book called man-made. Now, all religions man-made, um, but I think they meant like suddenly <laughs> without these decades of um, background, et cetera, et cetera. So with the coming of Christianity, rulers superficially adopted the new religion, but the old religion was still prominent for the first thousand years of Christianity. So places that were Christian were just the ruler is Christian, but the people are not. Um, the people still followed the old gods. Um, aside, this is where a lot of a lot of pagan um, rituals have turned into Christian rituals like Christmas trees um, Yule log, uh, the Easter bunny, <laughs> the usual, you know? So Pope Gregory attempted a mass conversion by building churches on the sites of temples. So he sent people to, um, bless it with holy water, take out the old relics. Um, if there was a temple site that was kind of, um, in, in disarray, he would employ people to build them. Now, the thing is, is that he's like, okay, well, people are used to going to these temples, so they'll just go there and celebrate God instead of, you know, whoever they celebrate. <laughs> so, um, but the people who built the temples were the people, pagans. Um, and pagans just mean, by the way, people who lived in the country. So it's just the country folk, not royalty. So the royal the royalty was like, yeah, sure. And then the pagans went and actually um, built the churches. Now they built them with little hints of their gods still in the churches. So you'll actually still see um, 
just like a some foliage foliage with a face peeking out that kind of thing so that way the people could still pray to their gods while pretending to pray to christian the christian god in those early days the old religion was one of its the church's biggest rivals so because the god of the old religion and the christian devil were both horned the pagans must be devil worshipers now this is ridiculous because the devil is purely a Christian invention that was first mentioned in the New Testament, so the second half of the Bible. Since the church was so restrictive, um, which, by the way, this cracks me up. I didn't know this. Um, the church had so many restrictions on sex, specifically sex with your spouse. So you couldn't have sex until you were married. And then once you were married, you could not have sex on Wednesdays, Fridays, or Saturdays or within, I think it's like within 30 days of Christmas or within 30 days of Easter or something. And it was so restrictive that you ended up only being able to have sex with your partner for two months out of the year. One sixth of your entire life is the only time you could have sex. <laughs> so like, and you can't even have sex the whole day, obviously, because you still got to work. <laughs> like, I, ugh. Anyways, so because that church was so restrictive, Christians were like, okay, if I pray to this God, the God of love, and this God of love won't let me have sex, then obviously if I pray to the opposite God, Satan, I will be allowed, <laughs> right? Um, so Satanism was born specifically as a parody of the church um, and anti-establishmentarianism. Is that a word? It's, they're against the establishment. So the church was like, okay, Satanism against us, witchcraft against us. They must be the same. Witches must um, pray to Satan. Plus they're both horns. So obviously they're the same. Um, we know better, especially now that I've told you where both of these came from. Um, but let's go more into Satanism in a second. I just want to reiterate that witches don't don't pray to Satan. Pan, the horned one, sure, uh, especially in Wiccanism, but not Satan. They're different. <laughs> Such a suspicious difference, too. Um, also, okay, I need to pause right here and just talk from my heart. Christian witches are absolutely valid. I I hate the um, organized religion of the church. I'm not a fan. I have personal beliefs. I have personal, um, frustration and anger towards them. I don't have anger towards you. I totally understand the need for community. I understand the need to feel like you're doing something good. I feel that I totally get the need to pray to a God that you understand and know. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to alienate you or to fight or anything like that. You are valid. Christian witches are valid. I am not one of them. Um, I might be a satanic witch after learning more about Satanism, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, I just want to say that I'm, you're not invalid just because of one silly podcast hating on Christianity as a church. <laughs> okay. I love you. <laughs> Please stick around. Okay. Um, so then... After I did all this understanding about where witchcraft and Satanism kind of merged in the church's eyes, I wanted to learn more about the Church of Satan. So, naturally, I went to churchofsatan.com. 
which their welcome page says, quote, founded April 30th, 1966. So not not way back then, but they, they were founded a long time after they started. People started praying to God so that we could, they could have sex or sorry, praying to Satan. Um, so founded in 1966 by Anton LaVey, we are the first above ground organization in history openly devoted to the acceptance of man's true nature, that of a carnal beast living in a cosmos that is indifferent to our existence. To us, Satan is the symbol that best suits the nature of we who are carnal by birth, people who feel no battles raging between our thoughts and feelings, we who do not embrace the concept of a soul imprisoned in a body. He, meaning Satan, represents pride, liberty, and individualism. And then I was curious about their tenets. Like, what do they believe in? Now, um, they use the word him. I changed it to them. But otherwise, this is, again, word for word from the churchofsatan.com's page on the 11 Satanic Rules of the Earth by Anton LaVey. One, do not give opinions or advice unless you are asked. Great, I can do that. Two, do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. Ooh, okay, great. Three, when in another's lair, show them respect or else do not go there. Great, lair is a little bit um, old-fashioned. I might change the word to home, um, but that makes sense. Respect people in their home or don't go at all great. I'm in. Four, if a guest in your lair annoys you, treat them cruelly and without mercy, <laughs> which that started getting me a little bit concerned um, because I am used to treat others the way you want to be treated. And if, um, if somebody's annoying to you, love them more. But treating them cruelly and without mercy, I feel like is kind of what I actually do because I just get really sassy. And I get sassy until they realize that I'm not a fan of what they're saying. Five, do not make sexual advances unless you are given the mating signal. Mating signal is a very vague term, um, which could be uh, different for different people. But I like the feel of this. So don't, don't make sexual advances unless you are given the okay. Great. Six, do not take that which does not belong to you unless it is a burden to the other person and they cry out to be relieved. So do not steal except when they want you to. <laughs> and it's not just they're like, yeah, take it. They're like, please take this. It's hurting me. Great. Take people's burdens. Okay. I'm here still. Seven, acknowledge the power of magic if you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires. If you deny the power of magic after having called upon it with success, you will lose all you have obtained. Oh my goodness. More people need to hear this. Acknowledging the power of magic if you've employed it successfully. So they're not saying that, hey, you have to believe in magic to be a Satanism, be, to be a part of the church of Satan. Okay, perfect. But if you have employed magic, tell that. Say that it exists or else it'll take everything from you. Eight, do not complain about anything which you need not subject yourself. Oh my goodness. Um, I love that because um, people complain all the time, but they did it to themselves. They like, I, I understand 
I understand this because I, I only want you to complain if you can't do anything about it. But also if you can't do anything about it, Buddha says, um, this is paraphrasing and off the cuff because I don't have this written down in front of me. Um, but it's like, do not complain no matter, uh, do not complain for if you can do something, do something. And if not, then don't worry or whatever it is. Don't worry. That was really bad, but (laughs) I like, I like the Buddha's version of this better. Um, number nine, do not harm little children, period. Okay. There's no, but at the end of that, (laughs) that's just it. Number 10, do not kill non-human animals unless you are attacked or for your food, specifically non-human animals. Um, that does not mean that you can kill humans. They're just saying that animals or that humans are also animals. I think I'm not, a, I'm not a church of Satan follower. So maybe. And then 11, when walking in open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask them to stop. If they do not stop, destroy them. Whoo, destroy okay, um, I don't know what that means. (laughs) And I actually started looking it up and then I found, um, like a police, uh, I don't know, like a police handout of like all the different churches and how you would know if somebody's worshiping Satan. And it was like, they have chains in their bedroom or whatever. Um, so I, I couldn't figure out why they, why, um, Anton said destroy them but I'm thinking like mercilessly humiliating them with your words not like go go smash them into the ground I don't know maybe it's just me okay and then I was also curious about the nine satanic sins notice by the way that um so the Christian church has 10 commandments and satanism has 11 satanic rules and then they have seven deadly sins and there's nine satanic sins. So it's almost like they're like, well, you have s- seven rules. We have nine. <laughs> we have one more than you. We're way cooler. So it's just, it's very clear that this is, um, again, like anti-church. So the f- these are the nine satanic sins. Stupidity, pretentiousness, sopolism, self-deceit, herd conformity, lack of perspective, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies, counterproductive pride, and lack of aesthetics. Lack of aesthetics. (laughs) Gotta look good. And the Church of Satan actually goes a little bit more into depth about each of these and why they exist. Um, So I want to just read to you um, sopolism because I'm not sure what that means. And the lack of aesthetics because I found it intriguing. They say, quote, sopolism can be very dangerous for Satanists. Projecting your reactions, responses, and sensibilities onto someone who is probably far less attuned than you are. It is the mistake of expecting people to give you the same consideration, courtesy, and respect that you naturally give them. They won't. Instead, Satanists must strive to apply the dictum of do unto others as they do unto you. It's work for most of us and requires constant vigilance lest you slip into a comfortable illusion of everyone being like you. As has been said, certain utopias would be ideal in a nation of philosophers, but unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, from a Machiavellian standpoint, we are far from that point. And then for lack of aesthetics, um, this is the physical application of the balance factor. Aesthetics is important in lesser magic and should be cultivated. It is obvious that no one can collect any money off classical standards of beauty and form, 
sorry, classical sense of beauty and form most, sorry, wow. <clears throat> it is obvious that no one can collect any money off classical standards of beauty and form most of the time. So they are discouraged in a consumer society, but an eye for beauty and for balance is an essential satanic tool and must be implied for greatest magical effectiveness. It's not what's supposed to be pleasing. It's what is. Aesthetics is a personal thing, reflective of one's own nature, but there are universally pleasing and harmonious configurations that should not be denied. Okay, and then my last list is the Satanic Temple's Seven Fundamental Tenets. Now, the Church of Satan and the sat Satanic Temple are different things, um, so I want to read the differences here. Um, so the seven fundamental tenets of the Satanic Temple are, and this is from the SatanicTemple.com. One, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. Great. Two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Ooh. Three, one's body is involatile. No, involatable. Subject to one's own will alone. Four, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forgo one's own. Five, belief should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should never care to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. We need more Satanists in the world. <laughs> Six, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that may have been caused. Apologize. Seven. Every tenet is a guiding principle intended, sorry, designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. I don't know about you, but I, I, <laughs> I think I'm a Satanist. <laughs> um, those are all just things that I totally agree with. Um, now <laughs> I really, um, here's one reason why I'm very pro Satanism as a witch, I'm not a Satanist. I'm a witch. I'm also maybe a Satanist. So we'll talk about that. Um, in an article, um, called devil's advocate, there's a couple more things after that, but it's in the guardian by Steve Rose published on, um, August 15th, 2019 quote, the satanic temple is officially recognized as a law. Sorry. <laughs> recognized as a tax-exempt religious organization. As such, it has been claiming the same rights and privileges as those obtained by Christian groups, albeit with a prankster sensibility. Where the city council in Phoenix, Arizona began meetings with a Christian prayer, the satanic temple demanded that satanic prayers should also be said, and the council just chose to drop the prayers altogether. When the Child Evangelicism Fellowship set up pre- pro-Christian good news clubs in schools, the temple introduced after-school Satan clubs. When Oklahoma State Capitol permitted the installation of the Ten Commandments, the temple campaigned to erect its own eight-foot-high statue of Bamafet, a goat-headed deity. And then, um, because that was posted in 2019, I wanted to highlight one of the more recent um, successes of the Satanic Temple. So, um, hey, this is post- uh recording grace i'm editing right now and i wanted to say that 
in a little bit I'm starting to start talking about abortion. I wanted to include a trigger warning here because of the Roe v. Wade decision that was recently made. Still doing all it's can all it can. It's going to fight for abortion rights, but it has not yet succeeded, um, especially in Texas. So I just wanted to let you know in case this is not the time for you to start listening to things about abortion. Um, just skip ahead to maybe th just the very end. I start talking about a rune that I read and my own personal actually you know what you can just skip from here on out <laughs> the rest is just wrapping it up in an article posted in the conversation starting with how the satanic temple is using abortion rituals by joseph lay um cock i think man i really smudged that word um in september of 2021 um he says and in response to Texas's heartbeat bill, the temple invoked the Religious Freedom Restoration Act to demand exemption from abortion re restrictions on religious grounds. The Satanic Temple is doing what I almost called the God's or the Lord's work. Um, but anytime Christian groups get a little bit too um, open or too pushy, Satanic Temple will jump in and say us too, and then they're like, ah, never mind. <laughs> We don't really, we don't really want it that badly. So that way you also have the same, um, rights. Thanks though. Which I just appreciate. Um, my beautiful sibling, um, donated money <laughs> to the satanic temple in my aunt's very Christian name. <laughs> so you too can join the satanic temple and support them. Um, I want to be clear here that they're very specifically doing this to be against Christianity. They're not doing it in order to um, spread the Lord, spread the Satan's name or anything like that. They're not actually praying to the devil in these after-school Satan clubs. They're just anti-Christian clubs trying to stop them from spreading. I guess spreading is a weird word. Um, so satanictemple.com churchofsatan.com um exp i don't know explore it a little bit <laughs> i guess that's what i'm trying to say here so to wrap up this um episode i drew a random uh rune and i got ooze which is death and rebirth <laughs> so um i that just feels very apt for this um so think about something in your life that is holding you back um that is stopping you from you being your best self and identify five steps you could take to remove that from your life so if i'm going back to the fact that i am unhappy at work right now and i love what i do but not that much <laughs> and that i'm trying to run three other businesses at the same time my five steps might be to talk more about what I do with people that I know. Um, I need to figure out what I'm doing with my trees business because um, summer is starting um, in terms of applying for different um, like art festivals and I'm down to very few treats. So if I want to continue doing that, I really need to reinvest my time in making more trees. And if I don't want to do that, then I feel like I've not necessarily wasted some of my time, um, but I've really built a kind of a following um, 
And so I might need to just rethink what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, maybe show up with some art that's different than trees. I don't know. I don't know yet. We're, I, I got to figure that out still. Um, but you know what? This isn't, this isn't my podcast to talk to you about my mental health issues or my struggles. Um, it's for both of us to do. So email me at um, omensandepiphanies at gmail.com. That was the best segue I've ever done in my life. Um, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram, omens and epiphanies with the ampersand, to weet me on Twitter at omens epiphanies, or check out my website, omensandepiphanies.com, for all of my 15 episodes so far. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Goodbye!